This is Lou Dobbs Sunday, best of on 77 WABC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this special edition of Lou Dobbs Sunday, where we always talk with newsmakers, lawmakers, and earthshakers. Joining us today, Congressman Corey Mills, investigative reporter Julie Kelly, and Just the News founder John Solomon. Let's turn first to Congressman Corey Mills, who in his spare time, his time away from Capitol Hill, rescued almost 200 Americans from Gaza on his time and on his dime. Corey, thank you for all you're doing for the country, both on Capitol Hill and the Middle East. Let's turn to your day job. What do you make of our new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson? Well, I think that Mike Johnson is uh, doing an amazing job. Uh, I was very confident that he was going to. This is a guy who uh, very constitutionally principled, uh, faith-based, uh, a lot of integrity, honor, uh, humbleness, and humility. The things that you would expect of someone who really wants to return power back to the people. You know, this is a guy who really wants a member-driven, decentralized House of Representatives. And not only this, but to go to his integrity when myself and other members came to him and said, look, you know, when Speaker McCarthy was elected in, he had promised to release these J6 tapes and we still haven't seen them. What is your intent? He said, I'm going to release these tapes. And he's now done that. And they'll continue to come out on the website that's provided to every American citizen. The, the other thing that you're starting to see is where he's not about cheap talk, you know, when it comes to these impeachment hearings or going forward with the proper investigations. And so he's already signed off on the subpoenas that went out to Jim Biden, Hunter Biden, and even one of their associates. And so, again, I, I can't uh, speak more highly uh, about Speaker Johnson. And I'll tell you that when you, you, this is very telling for me, Lou, that whenever the media tried to go after him, and their only ridicule is that he lives the same way as every other middle-class citizen lives. That he doesn't buy and own and trade stocks, nor should anyone, in my opinion, who are in office. That's why I support things like the Stock Act that would ban this. Mm. But furthermore, he doesn't have some big coffer of finances, which tells me, and oh, hold your breath, Lou, he's not bought and paid for by these packs and lobbyists. He actually is there serving the American people, which is exactly what we've been wanting. So uh, America First Agenda, strong supporter of President Trump. As you know, he was one of his lawyers during the impeachment hearings, um, ardent defender of freedom. And so I, I couldn't be happier uh, with Speaker Johnson taking the helm. Well, you and me both, and, I, and I'm, I'm pleased to say that uh, you're exactly right, and that he has, he has stepped forward and created a new energy in the 118th Congress. The sad thing to me is that it had to be done, uh, that a speaker for 10 months uh, held the conference hostage uh, and did not proceed uh, with the America First agenda that he should have been. Uh, and then he's walking around like he is uh, some sort of hurt puppy, uh, being mendacious, uh, vicious, even retaliatory, uh, trying to punch out uh, Tim Burchett, a uh, congressman from Tennessee, uh, by a sucker punching him in the back for crying out loud. Uh, this is the ignorance of this man is unbelievable. And I don't understand why the conference doesn't just throw him out now. Well, you know, here's my whole thing. I, I, I wasn't there, um, but I do trust Tim Burchett. He's a, a, a good friend of mine, great man, um, hard worker. And it just comes across very cowardly if that's, in fact, what did take place. You know, his his kind of uh, retort that, oh, no, no, no one saw that. And, oh, ask the guy who's around me. And, and look, I know the hallway 
that goes to HC5 where a conference meets. And, and it's a tight hallway when, when you have all the reporters and such, and I'm not disputing that. But there's also a bit of just, you know, dem- like demeanor and, and, and cordial kind of, you know, way of handling things where you're, hey, excuse me, and you can kind of walk around. Uh, whether it's intentional or not isn't really the point at that stage. But uh, I, I wouldn't put it past anyone. I mean, there, there's still some, some bad blood. Uh, there's some hurt feelings, but you know what? Get over it. You're no longer the speaker. Um, you can complain for whatever reason, but taking these types of potential uh, or, or uh, what's been reported as a cheap shot on Tim Burchett, that, that's not the way to conduct yourself. No, but that's the way that you, uh, you know full well that uh, Kevin McCarthy has conducted himself. He's the only guy I ever knew that went into a, a debt ceiling negotiation and instead of getting the level he wanted, just decided to get rid of the ceiling. I mean, it was just a masterful uh, piece of negotiation. Yeah. I mean, is that not the most absurd and infuriating thing you've ever heard? Uh, it is indeed. I, I, I don't even need to go any further. It's just absolutely infuriating to even hear that nonsense. Well, the, the speakers, you say, letting go of those tapes, 44,000 uh, videotapes now uh, out. Uh, they're rolling out right now. I think they're about 90 hours right now available. Uh, but uh, already we know that their law enforcement was undercover, posing as, as oh, yes. Trump supporters. We know for a fact. Well, we saw the one where the guy's actually flashing his bag, you know, right. for the badge. Right. He's sitting there completely masked, flashing his badge. You've got another guy who was uh, handcuffed, and we're getting the details of this, but was carried off into the side uh, alley where you would actually exit the Capitol building and was uncuffed, fist bump, and, you know, out he went. So. Uh, again, you know, it, it's funny that everyone wants to go ahead and claim that we're all conspiracy theorists until we're continually proven true or proven correct in our in our uh, mm-hmm. comments or in our, our observations of things. But, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is, is was there a potential wrongdoing that went on? Sure. Was there a potential violence that went on? Sure. But there was a lot of people who, in my opinion, this was all a bit of a pre-orchestrated in some regards um, there was some insider, you know, capabilities that we've now uncovered, and I think that that's the things that the American people deserve to know. You know, who are who are the ones who are truly being held right now in violation of their Sixth Amendment rights and mm-hmm. not being able to uh, approach their accusers or have a fair trial or even know what they're being prosecuted and, and and persecuted for? Who are the real political prisoners here, and why aren't they being released and should have been released a long time ago? People who are losing. Uh, time with their families, you know, parts of their lives that they can't ever get back. Time is the one asset that we can't purchase. And so, you know, we have to start getting those who are being politically, you know, uh, prosecuted out and free and holding those accountable who's actually utilized to weaponize our government against the American people, which is not what it's for. Our government is to protect the safety, the freedoms, the liberties, the rights of the American people, not to be weaponized against them and put into prison when you have a difference of political views. Yeah. And those political prisoners, uh, every one of them has a right to due process. Everyone has the right to a speedy trial. Everyone should be brought up immediately and charged. That has not happened. And I don't care what they did. 
That is a denial of the Constitution by the Marxist Dems who people the Department of Justice, who are nothing more than activists, and the FBI that's become nothing more than a thugocracy uh, playing, uh, you know, a tactical warrior, rolling in and arresting people at six in the morning as they bring a battering ram to their front door. I mean, it's disgusting what's going on with this government. And we're talking with Congressman Corey Mills, a great American, a great congressman. One of the issues that I've, I've got right now with the national left-wing media, the corporate media, whatever you want to call it, uh, is that every day they start afresh as if they didn't know anything the previous day. And the result is that we can't acknowledge what is reality. And the reality is that the the Marxist Dems control the Democrat Party. Uh, there is no way that they are anything more than that. Uh, and, and, and it's just uh, incredible to me that people do not comprehend that the Marxist Dems control the entire federal government. Every agency, every department is politically corrupt. It's into the, under the control of the Marxist Dems. Uh, do you doubt what I'm saying at all? Well, not only do I not doubt it and that we've actually seen it, but you just literally had Democrat Senator Joe Manchin, who even admitted that Biden is so far left, he's to the, uh, to quote him, extreme left, and that Manchin will not be seeking his reelection. And I personally think that he may throw his hat in the ring, uh, maybe not because it's a little bit late, but he's, he explained that who he serves and to kind of take, take a play on words, he said, is the extreme middle. Um, so, you know, it's not just you, Lou, or myself, or those who believe in the, the MAGA, you know, uh, America First agenda. This is a Democrat senator from West Virginia who's even saying that Joe Biden has gone and swung to the far extreme left. Mm -hmm. And he he took the whole country with him. I mean, when we look at it, people just look at that southern border and they don't realize I apparently or will not comprehend or refuse to comprehend that what we have witnessed is a president of the United States, Joe Biden, actually turning over 2000 miles of that border with Mexico, turned it over to the Mexican drug cartels. They now control it on both sides of the border and will corrupt whatever uh, people or institutions are necessary to keep control of that border. And, and they must every day say, thank you, Joe Biden. What do you think? Well, I can tell you right now that if you went and checked any cartel's headquarters, you would see employee of the month, Joe Biden and Secretary Mayorkas. Um, these are the individuals who not only watched where in 2018, the cartels were averaging around $500 million a year in revenue, which is a tremendous amount. Don't get me wrong. President Trump was going after that. He had put great policies like Remain in Mexico, was building the wall, um, had already taken an approach to start contacting and working with the Mexican president as well as for others in South and Central America. And meanwhile, fast forward, 2021 under Joe Biden, $13 billion dollars for the cartels in revenue, of which we have to take into account that 40 plus percent is in human and child sex trafficking. Then you have the fentanyl that is killing thousands of Americans a day. I mean, these are the types of things, not to mention, you know, when we look even past that, understanding that the cartels have partnered up with uh, China and, 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 and others who are actually printing fentanyl in the Darien Gap uh, there in Central America. These are mainland Chinese who are in there, and we've seen the drone footage and, and have the grids for that. But, you know, they're doing nothing about it. They're not trying to secure our border. You've got people who are crossing 120 plus known terrorists on a watch list who have been caught in our border just in the recent month. How many gataways 
as they like to refer to them, is sitting in our country. You know, did we not learn anything from 9-11? Have we not learned anything from October 7th and what's just occurred in, in Israel with regards to a terrorist organization known as Hamas? And, and the numbers are staggering, Lou, when you think about the fact that of those illegals who have crossed into our border, you've got 6,800-plus Afghans. You've got tens of thousands of Russians. You've got Yemeni military-aged males. You have members from 13, 14 different nations, of which many are not friendly to the U.S., who are crossing our borders. It is the number one issue today. If I had to rank it, it's securing our borders, getting fiscal responsibility, and stopping the weaponization of our federal government. Those are my top three priorities if you were to put me in the seat right now. And I can tell you that those are the top three priorities for President Trump as well. I'm actually here in Mar-a-Lago as we have this call. I'm heading to see the boss uh, around 5 o'clock, and, and I can tell you that these are three key issues that he understands, that he identified long ago, and that's why America had a strong and robust economy and energy security was securing our borders and was stopping this weaponization as he was going after them, which is why they started to come after him. So it, the borders are a big issue, Lou, and I think the American people, regardless of what state you live in, they're starting to see it, and I hate to even say it, but even Mayor uh, uh, Adams of New York City, the guy who believed in a sanctuary city, he's now even calling for Joe Biden to secure those borders. So that should tell you something. Well, he's not hes not calling for it as loudly as he was a week ago. Suddenly he's under federal investigation because he started questioning Biden. I wonder why. Doesn't that sound familiar? It's kind of like when you run for office and you have the ability to defeat Joe Biden and all of a sudden you get 30 plus counts and indictments from three different states. You know, you, you you throw a bunch of snakes in a nest, and and somebody's going to get bit. Nick, it was Eric Adams' turn, I guess, this time. Before that, it was uh, Senator Menendez who started questioning his immigration policies. The next thing he knows, he and his wife well, let's are— Let's see what happens to Joe Manchin now that he's calling Joe Biden out. I mean, it, look, you know, the problem is is that uh, the Biden administration, the radical left, if you will, the, the, the Clintons and Obamas of the world, they actually don't play by the rules. And we have to acknowledge that, that they utilize the federal government and they'll utilize uh, other methods and mechanisms and even the mainstream media to indoctrinate poison and spread slanderous lies about those who are true fighters. And, and that doesn't matter what side it's on. If you uncover the truth, they do everything they can to bury it with a lie. Oh, absolutely. And they're the cutest little people, too. And I want to bring up, as we conclude here, the Israel-Hamas war. To me, this is a moment of absolute moral clarity. Uh, Hamas, as Prime Minister Netanyahu says, has to be destroyed in, in Gaza, period, that there will be no ceasefire until the hostages are released, period. And we've got a president saying that he wants a two-state solution. He wants uh, a ceasefire. He wants, uh, you know, all, this is the most ignorant president I've ever seen talking about one of America's greatest allies, our greatest ally, in the Middle East? Well, the bottom line is that I wish that it was just fecklessness or ineptitude, but I think as I go on and the rest of America sees it, this is all intentional in his effort to try and destroy us and weaken us diplomatically with our greatest allies, militarily through his woke agenda, and also economically through his inflationary taxation. And so my whole thing is that I wish and I applaud uh, Benjamin Netanyahu for his resolve, for the fact that he is not backing down and that he will fight for his people 
to go ahead and eliminate this Iranian-backed proxy militia, Hamas, who is a terrorist organization who committed horrendous and atrocious barbarism on October 7th. And you know what? I wish we had a president like that. Oh, wait a second, Lou. We did have a strong president like that. It was President Trump. It's great of you to take time to be with us. I don't know what uh, the Qataris intend, nor do I understand what Biden does, uh, or at least uh, perhaps President Obama, whoever's running him, uh, intends. But I do know this, uh, that uh, when it comes to uh, Israel's fate, I will be I'm delighted to have it in the hands of Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli government rather than this puppet master uh, of of and like. Like I said, uh, Lou, and sorry to interrupt, but like I said, you know, when I, I got the first rescue of 32 people out the first day, 45 people out the second day from everywhere through the West Banks to Jerusalem, to Haifa, to Nazareth, to Tiberias, you know, I was on the ground actually conducting these rescues. We need to reestablish confidence of the American people that their government won't just leave them behind. And if I have to be that person to go ahead and start spearheading that, then so be it. Well, we're glad you're that person. We thank you for all that you've done. We appreciate it always, Congressman, talking with you. Thanks for all that you've done and will do. Thanks so much for being with us, Congressman Corey Mills. Thank you so much. God bless. Thanks to Congressman Corey Mills, a great American. A reminder to join me every day on the Great America Show podcast, carried by all major podcast platforms. We continue now with Lou Dobbs Sunday on 77 WABC. Next up, our guest is investigative reporter Julie Kelly. Stay with us. We're coming right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lou Dobbs Sunday. It's not just politics and business, but it is. This is Lou Dobbs Sunday. Best of on 77 WABC. Welcome back to Lou Dobbs Sunday. Our next guest is Julie Kelly. No reporter has covered better or more energetically the outrages of January 6th and the hundreds of political prisoners taken by the Marxist Dems, and they're still being rounded up, by the way. Speaker Johnson is releasing all of the 44,000 videos that record what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. Julie, great to have you here. What do you think of these videos? What will they reveal about the Marxist Dems, the Biden regime, and the role of our government, and what happened on that day? Well, I think, you know, this video that has been released is just the beginning of the dam breaking on the prevailing January 6th, carefully crafted stagecraft, I guess you could say, of January 6th, that was created by not just the January 6th committee, but of course, the Department of Justice, Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, and the corporate national news media, that this was a deadly violent insurrection incited by Donald Trump. Uh, that almost resulted in the overthrowing of our democracy, whatever that means. So now people, for the first time, of course, I've seen a lot of this video, but the American public are seeing for the first time videos of people peacefully walking around the building with police standing by. They're seeing police standing by open doors as dozens, if not hundreds of protesters 
stream into the building unimpeded, fist bumping and chatting with police. There's a lot more of that video, by the way, that, that will be forthcoming. Um, but also just questionable things as to why someone who was accused of assaulting police officers and carrying a knife, why is he let go after being handcuffed and detained and you see him fist bumping someone who looks like an undercover police officer? So just so many more questions raised uh, by these videos and just overall the American people want the truth and the Democrats, the J6 committee, Joe Biden and the DOJ certainly do not want the truth to be told. It's really that straightforward. Uh, everybody's looking for the truth. Uh, and now we're going to have it because of uh, Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, actually getting these videos out uh, in a meaningful way uh, so that people will at some point have the story. But as we look at this January 6th committee, it is it is without question what we claimed it was at the time, a, a Stalinist uh, agiprop. Uh, pretending uh, that it was seeking justice against uh, the nefarious uh, patriots who were just simply celebrating with Donald Trump. I, I love this. The, the people who say, oh, no, that was insurrection. That was terrible. And they haven't proved that in any single instance. And I don't care whether you're talking about the Proud Boys or the whatever. Uh, there was no one there that I can see that they established was trying to overthrow uh, the federal government. Did I miss something? No, not at all. No one was there to overthrow the government, even those who were involved in sort of heated group chats beforehand, you know, talking about taking their government back or references to 1776, things like that, that were used as incriminating evidence, not just free speech or guys, you know, blowing off steam about the election, but as proof that, say, the Proud Boys plan to go to Washington without weapons, by the way, uh, and and storm Congress and install Donald Trump or keep him in office as the president. It's all absurd. But the January 6th Select Committee, of course, had unlimited resources. They hired a former ABC News television producer to, you know, animate all of their storylines. The final report solely fixated on the role of Donald Trump. The investigation and there were even complaints by investigators tasked to the committee. There were complaints that uh, investigations into security and law enforcement failures were buried in an appendix in this report. Think about this, Lou. The January 6th Select Committee did not even interview FBI Director Christopher Wray. How can you have a legitimate investigation into what they call a domestic terror attack without sitting down with the FBI Director, speaking directly to him and having him answer questions? That right there is a huge red flag that this was never a serious effort. It was to do two things, uh, blame the events of January 6th on Donald Trump and cover up many other aspects of January 6th, whether you want to believe it's failures of security or intentionally leaving the Capitol insecure so you could have government and other actors, provocateurs, uh, uh, provoke the events of what happened that afternoon. Well, you know, we can't settle the question, but we do have evidence that there was provocateurs at work, uh, whether it would be the FBI. We know there were at least dozens. We can't put a number on it because we can't get hard evidence as to the number. But we do know there were some. Uh, and it looks like a great number of those uh, FBI agents there. Uh, we saw ghost bu uh, uh, buses rolling in. 
we've and we've seen this technique before, obviously used by the FBI uh, and other agencies. We know that there were uh, local police, uh, metropolitan or capital police, undercover showing badges. It is disgusting when you see the video that shows those cops literally waving uh, those uh, those quote unquote rioters uh, and quote unquote insurrectionists into the, into the Capitol, inviting them. They were they weren't simply not uh, putting up a barrier against them. They were inviting them into the Capitol. They were, and there are many instances of seeing not just Capitol police waving people in, but you could see them kind of leading them around. We saw this surveillance video when Tucker Carlson broadcast it related to Jacob Chansley, the so-called QAnon shaman. Mm -hmm. You see police officers who were speaking with Jacob right when he entered in that um, Senate uh, side door saying, you can protest, it has to be peaceful. Then they continue to lead him throughout various areas of the building. He, of course, entered the Senate chamber. They never attempted to arrest him. They never told him or anyone around him that they were breaking the law, that they weren't supposed to be there. Uh, they didn't attempt to arrest him, certainly. But they all waited until the event was over so they could continue this nationwide dragnet for January 6th defendants, which is going on to this day. They are still arresting people. We saw last week the armed FBI raid of Gregory Yetman in New Jersey, um, a man accused of spraying uh, police officers with pepper spray, which he didn't. I have this on my Substack. The video totally contradicts that. So they're continuing to round up now, Lou, more than 1,200 Americans uh, in an effort to, of course, go after Donald Trump. His trial starts uh, on March 4th related to January 6th, but also to criminalize political dissent shut down any questions about the 2020 election, and more importantly, warn people, if you protest, demonstrate, even attempt to investigate, file lawsuits, do anything about the 2024 election, this is what could happen to you. Right. That was clearly a warning to every Republican, every conservative, every patriot, every Trump supporter. Don't come to your nation's capital because we will put you behind bars uh, and we will frame you. We will do whatever is necessary and we will have every left wing Marxist judge over over uh, sentence you for every prosecutor who over uh, charges you. And the result will not be pleasant. Just ask those who remain in the D.C. gulags. Uh, it is outrageous, and I can't talk about this without just my blood boiling, uh, to think that uh, the way the Marxist left that has taken over this government uh, is behaving, uh, conducting themselves, and and just shredding the Constitution and the rights of 1,200 uh, U.S. citizens. Is there any hope that the American people understand what all of us who've covered any aspect of the story understand, which is... The Marxist Dems control every department of the federal government. They control every agency of the federal government. Uh, and, and I don't know what to do. I can't find a solution to this because the courts are dominated by Marxist judges, the, the attorneys, uh, both representing and uh, prosecuting in this, are out of law schools where they have been indoctrinated by Marxists. How do we get 
to uh, to the just a, a simple recognition of the rights of these people who are imprisoned as prisoners of war of the left and do something about it because now it's gone on for just about three years and there's very little progress to show for asserting the constitution and uh, getting these people out of this horrific gulag. So number one, Lou, as I write on my Substack, Declassified with Julie Kelly, is that Republicans, and I've called for this for a long time, but now that they have power, they need to create their own January 6th committee. And they need to not just expose the cover-up, the concealment of evidence, the destruction of evidence that the old House Democrat January 6th committee is responsible for, releasing all the videos, forcing these officials, whether it's Christopher Ray, Matthew Graves, a DC US attorney, um, Merrick Garland, others to publicly testify to defend their selective political prosecution of January 6th defendants, while at the same time, completely memory holing the events that happened just a few months before January 6th, the months long riots in Washington DC that resulted in the destruction of federal property and assaults on federal police officers, same charges brought against January 6th defendants. But Lou, to your point, the real villains here, and I've said this over and over, and every time I'm in that DC courthouse, I have to pick my job off the floor. I cannot believe what I'm hearing from these judges. They are the villains. Congress needs to reclaim its constitutional authority over the federal judiciary. When was the last time a judge was impeached? I could name off six federal judges in Washington that should undergo impeachment proceedings for abusing their power in office, selectively prosecuting people, and failing to uphold the oath of their office, which is to protect the rights of defendants against government overreach. Let me tell you a quick story, Lou, and it's not the kids out of law school. This is Judge Royce Lamberth, a Reagan-appointed judge who would rather die in office like Dianne Feinstein then relinquish his tiny corner of power in Washington. He uses a walker. He can't get up and out of his chair without help. He's barely audible. People have to keep asking him to repeat himself. Last week, I sent during two days of jury selection for a man from Washington who faces numerous offenses for January 6th. Judge Lamberth, before the day jury selection started, told the man he was guilty, told him he was going to prison, didn't understand why he did not accept the government's plea deal because others who had been charged on the same evidence were convicted and gone to jail. That's what he told a man we're supposed to presume is innocent until being proven guilty. That is that is not what judges are supposed to do. That's just one tiny egregious example on top of so many. So the judges are the villains here and Congress needs to do something about that. And they they can't, uh, even if they bring the charges, uh, the the rancidly corrupt uh, leadership of the U.S. Senate is not going to be impartial or unbiased. Uh, this is not a uh, the impeachment itself is not a solution uh, simply because it can't go very far. Uh, and I don't know how to overcome the the takeover of our government by the Marxist Dems. Right now, they own every card. They've got every lever and they've got every advantage, don't they? They do. Um, Congress does, aside from impeachment. And I would just like the process, like they say about defendants, the process is the punishment. Well, let's put these judges, you know, on trial. 
let's put them before the American people and have them explain why they have a different set of pre-trial detention rules for specific group of political prisoners, something that's never happened in American history before. But also they have the power of the purse. Lou, the Marxism in our country is located in three places, three power centers in Washington. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia, the Washington FBI field office, and the D.C. federal court system. They need to defund all three of them. Any political trial investigation needs to be moved out of Washington, D.C. You should not have a Washington FBI field office whose sole job we know has been to go after Donald Trump, his cabinet members, congressmen who are in support of him, his associates, now his voters. That is the that is the center of evil. Are those three agencies? Washington should not have those three, and we certainly should not be paying for Matthew Gray's a Biden appointee, the Democrat D.C. U.S. Attorney, to continue to this day round up American citizens, investigate them, prosecute them, put them on trial, and throw them in jail that we federal taxpayers are paying for. I couldn't agree with you more. And I and I, and as you talk about these judges, uh, watching the judicial system, one of the most, uh, I I think, if it were not for the seriousness of it, the the New York judge in charge of the civil trial, uh, going after the Trump organization, uh, his the president's attorneys move for a mistrial, and guess who decides whether or not there's been a mistrial? It's Judge Engeron. Arthur Ingeron, the judge presiding over that case, is going to decide impartially, I'm sure, uh, what the, the outcome will be. Let me just read a couple of words. Uh, judge Arthur Ingeron said he was refusing to even allow arguments on the mistrial motion because the premises of the motion in his august judgment were flawed and it would be, quote, futile. The judge described Trump's rationale for halting the trial to be uh, disingenuous, quote, uh, quote, bad faith and, quote, nonsensical. Now, that sounds like a man that's being absolutely impartial, doesn't it? I, I mean, th this is madness we're watching unfold. We are a nation in deep, deep trouble. We always give our guests the last word, or usually we do that, and certainly for you, Julie, we do. Your concluding thoughts. Well, Lou, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. All of my work and coverage uh, can be found at my Substack Declassified with Julie Kelly. I also write for Real Clear Investigations, which is um, part of Real Clear Politics. I'm on Twitter slash X a lot, Julie underscore Kelly, too, where I cover a lot of breaking news on all of these court proceedings and Truth Social, Julie underscore Kelly. And I think uh, we can recommend you highly to no matter the platform or the outlet. Uh, you'll love everything that Julie Kelly does. Julie, we thank you for being with us here today. Always great to talk uh, to talk with you, and God bless you. You too, Lou. Thanks, Julie Kelly, one of the country's very best investigative reporters. And here next, we talk with another great American and journalist, John Solomon. We'll be right back after these words. Stay with us. Lou Dobbs Sunday is on the air. The air. Best of on 77 WABC. Welcome back. Our guest is John Solomon, founder, editor-in-chief of Just the News. And John, it's great to have you with us as always. Let's talk about those videos that Johnson is releasing. Your reaction? 
Yeah, not surprising to me just because uh, Congressman Laudermilk, the subcommittee chairman that's been running the January 6th investigation since Democrats uh, gave up <clears throat> control of the House, they he has been saying that this is the, the, the direction he wanted to move in. Of course, Speaker McCarthy was not on board with that. Uh, his removal, I think, opened a window, it opened a door to come back and uh, and revisit the idea that maybe everybody should get access to everything and we trust the American people to find their truth on their own, that it doesn't have to be a controlled release. And I think over the last few days, um, Speaker Johnson and Chairman Laudermilk worked out a scenario where it's easy to get the information up. Here's the path we're going to do it. Let's let people take a look at things and, and find what they want and uh, get the highest degree of transparency possible. And I think uh, we're moving in that direction now. Now, not all the video is up yet. It takes some time to post this because it's massive in size. Uh, there are there'll be there'll be dangers, right? There'll be mistakes that people make. They'll see something on the videotape, think it's something other than that. That's always a, a problem when you release information publicly. But I think the long term benefit to the American public is public is huge, uh, and everybody can see for themselves with their own eyes, without having filters and without the media telling them what to believe. Uh, what happened that day. And I think it'll benefit defendants, it'll benefit journalists, it'll benefit historians, and it will benefit voters going into the 2024 election. I, I was very encouraged and, and thrilled that he did it yeah. uh, because he had made a couple of uh, steps, a couple of moves that I didn't think were uh, in the proper direction nor at the proper pace. Uh, this is good to see because this is a, a move toward transparency. Uh, I just hope the Republican Party understands that you can't go wrong honoring the public's right to know. Yeah. And if they follow that, uh, that particular lodestar, they'll be fine. Uh, it is when they get and, and there was a slight apology offered up by the speaker's office because there are some of the videos that will not be available that, as they put it, uh, reveal architectural features that could have security implications. And, and if it's de minimis, uh, a fraction of a percent of something uh, in, in these videos, that's fine. It's when it becomes what it did become under Speaker McCarthy, the whole enchilada. Uh, he had a reason to do everything slowly, to do everything that frustrated the public's right to know. Uh, I think we obviously have a different, uh, we've got a different fellow and a different sort of fellow yeah. in, in my Johnson. Yeah, and there's a different mindset. There's no doubt about it. And I think you said it right, Lou. It's it. Why should we fear the public's right to know? The public is smart, and only those who want to manipulate the public try to control the flow of information. Those who trust the public and trust this constitutional republic know that transparency is the best thing. And I think Mike Johnson came down on that side. Chairman Barry Loudermilk has been a champion of this, and he has worked tirelessly for eight months nine months, 10 months now, actually, to mm -hmm. to put us in a position to get this data. And uh, I'm really grateful for him as a journalist because I've been able to access some of this information. I think the public will be grateful for him long term seeing the benefit of this. Yeah, it, 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 think about it. It's 10 months really wasted, honestly. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if everybody's straight about it, it was wasted. Yep. There's no reason on earth that these shouldn't have been out the second that McCarthy was sworn in as Speaker of the House. Yeah. And uh, the fact that that was not the case shows, I think, everybody's part of the problem uh, with Kevin McCarthy and the cross currents that were running through the conference, uh, largely because of the rhinos and uh, divided allegiances, I'll put it that way. Uh, Senator Mike Lee coming out and saying the House January 6th panel should be investigated itself after yeah. the release of these tapes, because what we've already seen are, uh, I'll, I'll say it very nicely, discordant 
<laughs> images uh, with the narrative that the Dems were pushing. I mean, these guys were lying through their teeth on that January 6th committee. Pelosi, uh, what they created is just an embarrassment, a shame, and a disgrace to the Democrat, the Marxist Democrat Party. And, and we've got to come to terms with it. This is the party. This is who they are. They are rotten to the core, and people better understand this is not just about uh, right and wrong in terms of policy. This is, uh, there is no moral compass on the left at all, none that I can detect. Yeah, listen, there are, in moments like this in the past, you always put your country before your party and your personal interests, but the Democratic Party have constantly over the last few years put party ahead of country's interest. And, and so we weren't given the truth about what really happened on January 6th. We weren't told about the security failures. I believe in the next few days, we'll begin to learn just how many uh, law enforcement undercover or on scene. I think there could be as many as four or five dozen, four or five teams just from Metropolitan Police Department. That's an area where mm -hmm. I've been focusing a lot of my reporting. All of that uh, has been deprived the American public for nearly three years now. We're coming up on the third anniversary. We're still only getting uh, the, the snippets of basic truth for the first time. Uh, we had a story last week that I think is so important. The gallows, that big image that you know television played all that day saying, look, the, um, the, uh, the Trump people want to put uh, execute people. Well, mm -hmm. we found the video footage of that working with a guy named Ed Martin working with Chairman Loudermilk, and you see the funniest thing. Those things walk in in the wee hours of the morning. They're sitting on uh, the um, uh, property for hours without any police trying to take them down, even though it was an illegal structure, wouldn't have met the, the, the terms of the uh, permit for that day. Uh, you can see the people going in. You can see them talking on the phone. You can see them going for coffee, coming back. You can see the cab that they came in, and somehow – the FBI is unable to determine who they are, just like they're unable to determine uh, who dropped uh, those bombs at the RNC and DNC, uh, just like they are unable to explain how the Secret Service didn't sweep um, the DNC building and allowed Vice President-elect Kamala Harris to walk within feet of a bomb. Mm -hmm. There are so many security failures and security abnormalities that the January 6th committee uh, deprived the American people from learning about. And we're going to get to see them now. We're going to learn about them now. We'll probably get to the bottom of a lot of these uh, lingering and very important issues. You know, you're talking about abnormalities. Uh, it, it's much like the election of 2010. 20, you know, we can talk about abnormalities or we can talk about irregularities. We can talk about anomalies yeah. or we can talk about what we're really talking about. That's a rigged election. Uh, and this uh, insurrection day on January 6th was an absolute setup on the part of the FBI, uh, the the Metro and uh, Capitol Police. I, I mean, John, this is an outrage staring us in the face and people, I, I, I get a kick out of them. I'm hearing congressmen who are not lawyers talking like they were going to write a constitutional uh, law treatise for their class they're teaching today. I, I mean, it's staring us in the face. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. This is a government that is under the control of the Marxist Dems. It's corrupt from one end to the other. And there, to see Christopher Ray say he's not a part of the uh, uh, Department of Homeland Security. Wasn't that a precious moment uh, as he's trying to correct uh, the congressman? I, I just, we have an arrogant bunch of crooks 
in these jobs. And everybody better understand what we're dealing with, because that's who we're dealing with. Well, listen, our founding fathers feared this very moment that we live in now. That's why they created the Constitutional Republic, to avoid a large central government from uh, imposing its own will on the American people. But somehow, over, and particularly in the last 10 to 20 years, uh, instead of a, pe- a government by, by for and of the people, it's become a government to control the people and uh, to control the truth, to control what you say, to control what you think, to control what you put in your body. And I think that uh, this is exactly the worst case scenario that our founding fathers did not want to see play out in Washington. And the next election is an opportunity, if Americans are serious about this, if they really are concerned about it, to install into place a mindset and a, um, a plan that would substantially shrink the size of government. The only way you can remove power from bureaucrats is to get rid of them. And uh, Republicans have talked that way for 25 years. They didn't get it done. Donald Trump didn't get it done in his first term. He seems very determined if he gets a second term to do exactly that. And I've seen the plans he's put out there and they make a big dent in reducing the size and power of Washington. But we live in a period right now where the central government has a say over almost every aspect of our life, including telling us what reality we can believe or what reality we see. And the FBI, particularly in the Russia collusion case, was a big part of that. And uh, also the 51 intelligence analysts who misled us in the 2020 election. Talk about being rigged. We, the American people were completely denied the truth on something as essential as what was the president or the person they were about to elect as president uh, compromised. And the answer is he was, but we were told, don't believe it. So right. the moment is upon us. This next election is the self-correcting moment. If we're going to have one, if they don't, if it doesn't happen in 2024, I think you look at uh, uh, many, many years of long centralized control of our lives from uh, in government in Washington on the horizon. Now, you just saw what happened in Argentina, right? Argentina made a very drastic change. They decided they don't like big government. They don't like the government economy that was given them. And they went in a very radical dif- uh, direction last night with their election. It'll be interesting to see if Americans choose that same path. And a plain-spoken fellow, this yeah. populist is. And as you might guess, uh, as a populist myself, I was uh, jumping up and down with joy to see what the people of Argentina did because they have a plain-spoken, straight-talking uh, president now uh, who is uh, opposite everything the, the Peronistas have been for decades. Uh, Argentina has a chance. He understands economics as well, something that no leader, it seems, of Argentina has understood for a half-century. How did it take us so long to get to the point where we can actually call a congressman or a senator a lying as son of a gun? Talking about the fact that the government is rancid with corruption, that the uh, Biden regime is without any question whatsoever corrupt. Uh, We can define it. We can uh, slice and dice it. We can get granular or go to 30,000 feet. Bottom line is they're a bunch of crooks. They're corrupt uh, and they're vicious. And they are the Marxist left. And we've been so afraid to say the word Marxist. They're Marxist. And they are the they are the threat to this country, aren't they? Well, listen, I, I think anyone who values freedom, anyone who values uh, personal liberty, who, who values a free market, which is the three primary foundations mm-hmm. upon which this country has been so successful and innovative and uh, globally inspiring, has to recognize that we're in a moment where all three of those uh, core principles, core driving forces of the American experience are under great assault 
from one party. The Democrats don't believe in personal freedom. They, they, they try to restrain it. Uh, they don't believe in free markets. They try to create manipulated markets. That's what the Green Energy New Deal is about. Um, they don't believe in a personal choice. They try to remove choices. They have become increasingly critical of the first two freedoms granted in the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. Uh, and so you see these efforts through disinformation and censorship, now uh, defunding or de uh, debanking gun uh, manufacturers, um, uh, that the very freedoms that our founding fathers believed were going to be the most important for sustaining the great American experience. There's one party that argues against them on a daily basis. And yes, many of the principles, many much of the language they use seems to have its origins in Marxist tradition, critical race theory, DEI, CRT. We can go, you know, we can give you the alphabet soup, but at the end of the day, there is a growing number of um, people in the Democratic Party who believe that freedom is a threat to the Democrat Party agenda. And that is anathema to the American experience. There is also, uh, beyond the Democratic Party, this massive, well-funded oligarchy in America, particularly those who came out of Silicon Valley, who believe it their job to use their market position to control um, Americans, control thought, control speech, control convention. Uh, and uh, so you have all of these control oligarchs. That's a term that my good colleague, Seamus Bruner, who has a brand new book out, talks about. And so when you have a Democratic Party aligned with a control oligarchs, control oligarchs. That's the term. That's the name of his new book. And he's right. And he chronicles it. So Democrat politicians aligned with big tech oligarchs. The, the threat to freedom, the threat to the American experience has never been greater. Do you think the Republicans understand that? Do you think Mike Johnson understands it? Do you think that, uh, you know, the Republicans in the Senate understand it? I know, for example, Ted Cruz understands it. Sure. I, I think Mike Lee does uh, a handful. But I don't see this party organizing around the principles that you're describing. Uh, we've got some, we've got a group of people in the House and some to a fewer fewer in the Senate who uh, want to try to make this about government spending. Yeah. Uh, that is madness in and of itself. Uh, that is that is a loser issue. It's a loser proposition. And what has to t has to happen is the Republican Party understands they have got to block the Marxists, understand that the Marxists control the Democrat Party, and they have to understand without any equivocation that they're going to have to make sure that the election of 2024 is not rigged and is not controlled by the Marxist Dems. You know, it's um, people ask this question often, do Republicans understand the battle they're in? And I can say this, first off, they certainly haven't been fighting with the political armaments um, that this battle requires. The Democrats have taken every advantage uh, in changing election rules, in pushing the rules of elections and pushing the rules of governance. And the De Republicans have been way too courteous, way too deferential. Now, when you look at the rhetoric, when you look at what key Republicans are saying today, take Mitch McConnell out of it, I think his time has passed and I'm not sure he understands the battle we're in, but many of the next generation Republicans seem to articulate the danger, seem to articulate the fight correctly, but do they have the tactics, do they have the armaments, do they have the strategy, do they have the policies to com combat it? Thus far, they haven't shown that they have it. And I think the last 20 years of history is a poignant reminder that many times Republicans have been co-conspirators 
in the changing of America towards this big government, suffocating spending, suffocating regulation. They've been a big party to it. Thank you, John Solomon, and thank you, everybody, for being with us here today on this special edition of Lou Dobbs Sunday on 77 WABC. Hope your Thanksgiving holiday was restful and fun. I'm grateful you chose to spend part of your day with us. Let's talk next week on Lou Dobbs Sunday. Till then, God bless you and God bless America.